Welcome to the ministry of Bishop Emmanuel Intefo of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. Bishop Intefo is a medical doctor and senior pastor of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. A seasoned and anointed preacher and teacher of the Word of God, followed with various miracles, signs, and wonders. His in-depth teaching of the Word of God will change your life forever. Now, here's today's message. Hallelujah. Please be seated. Amen. How many of us are happy to be here? How many of you were here last night? Okay. How many of you were here this morning? And how many of you are here tonight? Now, how many of you are pastors? Lift up your hand. Pastors. Pastors. Not church workers. Pastors. Pastors. Okay, put your hands down. How many of you here are church workers? Church workers, elders. So the conference is for pastors and church workers. It's a blessing. Amen. Now, tonight, before I preach, I want to introduce, you know, some of the powerful materials that we have here. Um, if you cannot read, you cannot lead. If you cannot read, you cannot lead. And there's a worse one. And there's a worse one. Anybody who does not read is the same as somebody who cannot read. Anybody who does not read is the same as someone who cannot read. And Ashes, Pastor Rick, there are spaces right here, in front here. Okay? So please, let the pastors come and sit in front and then don't put them. So as they come and bring them right here, please. Hallelujah. Reading is very, very important. Amen. Reading is very, very important. And probably I'll do a little session on reading before we close. You know, so um, yesterday we mentioned that one of the living that God is going to give us is wisdom for church growth. 
And Bishop Dad, he writes only for pastors. His, his books are only for pastors and for church work. You wouldn't see him writing books for any other purpose. So if we are a pastor here, alright, I want you to know that you must deeply want to interact with the books here. Now, out of the hundreds of books that he has written, he has packaged 40 of them which are ministry focused and answers most of the needs of a pastor. Hallelujah. Amen. You have the loyalty series. Those who leave you. Now, when people leave your church, often they make a statement. Their leaving is a statement that that place is not good. That place is not good. And they are able to come out sometimes of spoken reasons, other times of unspoken reasons why they have left. And why it is such a bad thing for anybody eh, to be there. A typical example is, was Jeroboam. When he left the ministry of Rehoboam, he did so much damage. He prevented Israel from coming to worship in Jerusalem. He, he, did, he set up gods for them there. Hallelujah. I get what I'm saying. So people who leave you, and I'm talking about people who leave you in a bad way. Not, not, not people, sometimes you lay your hands on somebody and then you send a person and say, look, go and start another church or I release you. That, that, that's not what Bishop Dag is talking about. But people who leave you in an evil way, they spoil your church. They say all kinds of bad things. You should know the spirit behind them. And that is what you find out when you read this book. Those who leave you. Eh? Those who are dangerous sons. Some of the sons that you have brought up in ministry are dangerous. They are fighting you. They are destroying you. Absalom drove his own father out of Jerusalem. And he gathered his father's concubines and laid with them openly. Hallelujah. So they are dangerous signs, and you must know the signs and symptoms and the effects of such dangerous signs. Then, those who accuse you, those who accuse you, Satan's main weapon is accusation. He is called the accuser of the brethren. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10, when Satan was cast down, the heavenly host rejoiced, but they said to the earth, War is unto you, the inhabitants of the earth, because the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. In our churches, look, the church cannot be destroyed by outsiders. The church is destroyed from within. From within. Amen. So those who accuse you, you must learn about them. Alright? Have church growth, 
church planting. Uh, sweet influences of the Holy Spirit. How the Holy Spirit affects you in different ways. Your knowledge, your understanding, your strength, your power. Different ways. How the Holy Spirit influences you. It's all here. So this is a special package. The art of leadership. Transform your pastoral ministry. Hallelujah. After years of pastoring, Bishop Dahl has defined the work of a pastor into four big areas. Prayer, visitation, counseling, interaction. PVCI. And, and this book takes every one of them and speaks about them extensively. And through that, your pastoral ministry will be transformed. Can I have an amen? amen? The art of ministry. The art of hearing. How you can be guided by the voice of God. The Bible says that there are, it may be, so many different kinds of voices. Eh? And none of them is without signification. Many voices are trying to lead you as a man of God, as a woman of God, as a servant of God. Which one must you follow? Do you understand that? How does God guide you? And in the ministry, you need to be guided. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, the scripture says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So God wants to guide you. In Psalm 32 and verse 8, He said, I will teach thee and instruct thee in the way that thou should go. I will guide you with my own eyes. God wants to guide you. You know, we, 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 we don't see much. Hallelujah. We don't see much. First Corinthians 13, 12, the Bible says, we see through a glass darkly. We cannot see much. That is why Jesus said in John 16, 7, it is expedient for me to go. Because if I don't go, the, 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 the comforter will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. So the Holy Spirit is here to guide us. Look, a pastor who is not being guided by the Spirit of God, you are bound to make a lot of mistakes. You are bound to make a lot of mistakes. But there are many voices. The voice of your flesh, the voice of your mind, the voice of your circumstances, the voice of your husband, the voice of your wife, the voice of your environment, the, the voice of your situation. Eh? Sometimes God can call you to a place, but because you are not prospering, you can decide to leave, even though God has called you there. In Genesis 26, when there was famine, Isaac wanted to leave there and run away to Egypt. And the Lord said, stay here and sow in that same land. And I will bless you. And the Bible said that he sowed in that same land. And in that same year of famine, he reaped a hundredfold. And went on to increase and become great. So you must not be led by your circumstances. You must be led by the voice of God. But how can you be led by the voice of God? The art of hearing. The art of hearing. Papa Hagan said that there are two types of pastors. There are lower level pastors and higher level pastors. He said the difference between them is the ability to hear the voice of God. The ability 
to hear the voice of God. May you hear the voice of God. So, the art of hearing, hallelujah, what it means to become a shepherd will help you to train your church workers. Don't try and do the work of God alone. If I get an opportunity, I'll talk a little about that. Don't try to do the work of God alone. You must, you must train people. What is the work of the pastor? What is the work of the five-fold ministry? What, what is our work as apostles, as prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Our work is not go about visiting, praying for the sake, you know, serving tables. We do that, but our main work, okay, is ministry of the word, prayer, and then Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible says that and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for what reason? For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the perfecting of the saints. We are there to perfect the saints. Do you see? Many of us, we have made our, ourselves superman pastors. You think that you are the only person who is called in the church. You have carried the ministry. But you see, the ministry is burdensome. No one man can do the ministry. Amen. I get what I'm saying. No one man. That is why in Numbers chapter 11 from verse 17, God told uh, Moses, he said, gather of the elders of the people, 70, 70 people who are elders of the people, and bring them to the tabernacle, and let them stand there beside you. He said, I will take of the spirit which is upon you and put it on them, that they might bear the burden of you. Yeah. You need to train people. You need to train people and release them to work. And release them to work. The ordinary people that you have in your church. Eh? And the special people that you have in your church. Your doctors, your engineers, your lawyers. Your law, you should train your lawyer to be an asher. You must train them to work for the Lord. You must train them to become laborers in the house of the Lord. The ordinary people. That's your work. He gave some apostles and some, and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Many of you, you are struggling because you are the only one working. Everything depends on you. Everything depends on you. In Exodus chapter 18, when Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, eh, visited him and saw him sitting down from morning to evening, solving the problems of the people alone. And Bible historians tell us that three million Israelites left Egypt. So Moses was the pastor, Reverend Dr. Moses, was the pastor of three million people. And from the morning to evening, he would sit down there. This one, uh, counselor, this one stole my uh, goat. He doesn't want to pay. This one said that my wife has we have a lot of diarrhea. I don't know what this one said. That this, I mean, all kinds of problems from morning. And that is what many of you are doing. Gentle looked at him and said, 
the thing that thou doest is not good. And he explained. He said, number one, you, you hurt yourself. And number two, you overburden this problem. You cannot even carry them anywhere. So there is a need for you to train church workers. That is what this book is about. How, what it means to become a shepherd. To let your people know that they can become workers, shepherds, leaders in the house of God. And train them to be able to do evangelism, to be able to visit people, to be able to counsel people, to be able to train people, to be able to teach people. Hallelujah. So that they can share the burden with you. Then, you can have enough time to focus on your prime work. Which is the study of the word of God. Which is uh, prayer. Which is preaching and guiding them. And receiving revelation. Many pastors don't receive revelation from God. Because you are too busy. God, God cannot speak to you because you don't have time to listen to his voice. I get what I'm saying. But God told Moses, he said, he explained the function of himself and Aaron. He said, let Aaron be your mouth to the people. But you, you must be like, unto, like, you must be like God unto them. In other words, you come and receive the revelations and the insights. You must stand in a church and say, this is what the Lord is saying. This is what the Lord is saying. This is the direction of the Lord. This is what God wants us to do. But you see, when you are too busy, God cannot speak to you. And you are too busy because you are doing everything in the church. And one reason why pastors do that is that they are insecure. They, they feel that they are the only called people. You are not the only called people. Matthew 20, uh, Matthew 20, 14 and then Matthew 22, 16 the Bible says many are called. Under the New Testament um, under the New Testament covenant we are all priests to God. Revelation 1, 6. We are all priests to God. We are all a royal priesthood. It was under the Old Testament that we had people who were ordained into the office of priests. But now we are all priests to God. We all have the Holy Spirit. And the, the obligation to fulfill the Great Commission is given to all of us. So you are not the only person who is called. You are the shepherd, the leader, the guide. Do you understand it? But you must allow other people to function. How many of you understand that? Amen. So the arch and many more. And many more. Alright, now. This is going for, you said how much? 300 and what? 50 Ghana cities. If you divide it by 40 books, 1, 2, 3, and they have actually numbered them, 1, 2, 3, 40 books, it comes to a little over 8 Ghana cities. 8 Ghana cities for a book. 8 Ghana cities. Do you understand that? You must do, you must do everything that you can to get a copy. It's a library. Have it. Have it there. And as the Lord guides you, take the different subjects. You know, 
I tell you, the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. And, and you must invest to gain wisdom. Yes. Amen. You must invest to get wisdom. Invest your money. Everything that you have, you need to buy books, ministry materials, gadgets, eh, to develop your ministry. A time will come, God will give you so much money out of those investments that you don't even know what to do. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? So this is not the time, this is not the time for you to buy cars and you know, this is the time for you to be invested in ministry. Hallelujah. And she said that if you register for the upcoming conference with Bishop Doug in August, 2nd to 5th August, alright, give thy iron sharpened iron, give thyself holy conference, which will take place in Accra at the Kodesh. If you register, the registration is of 200 Ghana cities. 200 Ghana cities. Now, if you register, so can they register during this conference? If you register, okay, you'll be given one of these Macarius free. Free. Oh, it's a good place for you to clap your hands. Is that a good idea? Is that a good idea? So, I want you, okay, um, to get the Macarius and get all the books and you will be blessed. Amen. God bless you. Let us pray. Father, thank you for tonight. We give you praise. We worship you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for guidance in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, tonight, I want to talk about reasons why you must have a mega church. This conference is about building large churches. Lift up your right hands. Say, Lord, help me to build a large church. Amen. This conference is not a marriage seminar. No, 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 no. Okay? It's not a prosperity seminar. It's not trying to do something. It is, we are having only one aim. Only one aim. And that is how to build a large church. Now yesterday, I said that to build a large church, we need certain basics and certain foundations to be laid. Number one, we must have the right mindset. How many of you have the right mindset do you have the right mindset? Ask your brother sitting by you. Do you have the right mindset? Have you changed your mind? Have you changed your mind? Have you changed your mind? Do, do, how many of you have chosen a large church over a little church? Amen? And you see, by the time I finish going through the reasons why you need a mega church, you understand that it's good that you have the right mindset. And number two, during this conference, God is going to give us living. A growth factor. Yes. Something that we are going to apply in our church. Which will positively cause our churches to grow. There are the anointings, the wisdom, the strategies, the insights. 
How many of you in between yesterday and today already you have written down some things that you are going to do? Can I see? You have written down something that you are going to do? Yes, that is the living. This morning, we spoke about the right attitude of a pastor that he needs to have so that he will grow a large church. Number one, you need to have a heart for a large church because life begins from the heart. And number two, it is because the size of your ministry determines the size of your heart determines the, the size of your ministry. And that is because your, your ministry is the work of your hands. And your clenched hand physically is approximately the size of your heart. So the bigger the heart that you have, the bigger your ministry. The smaller it is, in terms of your dreams, your aspirations, what you are believing God for, that is what your ministry will become. And then we said that, number two, you also need to have a vision. The first aspect of the vision is that you must see before you can become. You must see. How many of you understood that principle? Remember Jacob? Remember Jacob? He started with nothing. Alright? But he used the principle of seeing. And through that, he became very prosperous. Yeah. God told Abraham in Genesis 13, the size of the land that you have is what you can see. So how many of you are going to begin to see big churches? Big churches. Yes. Okay. Select a mega church pastor. One or two of them. And follow them. Watch their church services. Eh? Follow their teachings. Watch their videos. I got what I'm saying. Just watch. Watch the crowds. One day, you'll be sitting in your church and you just look around and say, ah, but I am seeing what I used to see. I am seeing what I used to see. I told you of how Bishop Doug used to watch Fred Price for years. His videos. He saw him preaching to a large congregation. He saw him walking in the aisles, preaching, teaching, and interacting with the church members. Eh? Then one day, in his own church, as he was preaching, and walking in the aisles, and interacting with the church members, the Holy Spirit reminded him and said, See, you have become what you used to watch. Hallelujah. So, you must have a vision. The first component is to see. The, the second component is that that vision must become a burning desire. A burning desire. How many of you understood that? That vision to build a large church must not be a casual vision. You see, many of us, we just say things with our mouths. It's like our political leaders. Do you understand it? I mean, they just around this time, you listen, fantastic things. Fantastic. Where I live in Accra, where I live in Accra, I've been living there since 2001. 
that is 15 years, the road to my house has remained the same. We have had two elections or three elections. I've had, I've had MPs. Every year towards the election, they will come and heap gravels. They will grade it a little and they heap gravels. Even I'm expecting them to come and heap gravels. I'm used to it. So, so I know that it's just mouth talk. It's not something deep. But this vision to build a large church must eat you up. You must be consumed. And, and, and I showed you the analogy between that and when, and when David said, as the deer panted after the water brooks. Then I said, so my heart pants after thee. My heart pants after the living God. Even my God. When shall I come and appear before God? And I explained that the heart will be looking for water as it is running to escape from the predator and it will be asking itself, where is water? Where is water? Where is church growth? What can I do? Where can I find it? Is it at a conference? Is it at a, a church? Where is it? Where is it? Where is the wisdom for church growth? Where is the strategy for church growth? Where is the key for church growth? Where are the messages for church growth? Where are the Bible scriptures for church growth? Where are they? I am going on a search because I need to find them so that I can, I can build a large church. Hallelujah. But there is a big question I want us to ask ourselves tonight as we start tonight's session. Why on earth must we even build a large church? Why should we drop ourselves? Why? Bishop in Tefal, you say we should have a vision. You say we should have a heart for church growth. You say that we should, we should uh, have a mindset for church growth. Eh? You understand it? You say we should be seeing big churches. You say that it must be a burning vision. Why? Why are you bothering us? Why must we? Look, I have, I have 50 people in my church I can pay myself, I can pay my children's uh, school fees, I can give enough chop money to my, to my wife. We have rented three bedrooms apartment. We are comfortable there. Why, why should I worry myself? That is why I want us to talk about reasons why you must have a mega church. Are you clapping your hands for Jesus? Now, I'll give you the first reason already, which is, you must have a mega church because it is the most appropriate vision for every pastor and every church. It is the most appropriate vision for every pastor, every Christian, every church. Why is this so? Because in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church so, the thing that Jesus is building is his church. I get what I'm saying. And then, you are also involved in the building of the church. You are also involved in the building of the church. What type of church is Jesus looking at? 
Jesus is trying to save the whole world. So if you are building a church with him, you must have that same mind that Jesus has. That he wants a lot of people to enter into the kingdom. Therefore, Jesus is not looking at building a small church. He's looking at building a large church. And therefore, that must be the most appropriate aim, appropriate vision for your life and for your ministry. Can I have an aim? Amen? Pastors, unfortunately, it is sad to note that for some of us, our aim is to make money. Yeah. It looks as if that ministry is now an avenue for making money. For making money. So, our mind is what I can do to get money. Including anything that can be done. Hey! <laughs> anything that we can, we can do to God's people to get more money for ourselves. But that is not the reason why we're in the ministry. The ministry is not another job opportunity. No. The ministry, please, can I have everybody sitting up, please? Okay. The ministry is not another avenue, another job opportunity. You must be in the ministry for only one reason. To preach Christ and Him crucified. <laughs> Hallelujah. It is the worst reason to have if your aim is money. It's money. And you can see that by the actions of many of us, that is what we are trying to achieve. We are having the same vision as the people in the world. They want to drive the biggest cars. We want to drive the biggest cars. They want to build the biggest houses. We want to build the biggest houses. Hey! Eh? They want to have a lot of money and we pass this. You see, I am trying to explain to you why you must build a mega church. That it is the most appropriate vision because, because Jesus is building the church. And Jesus is building a large church. Why do I say Jesus is building a large church? He died to save the whole world. He died to save the whole world. What was his commission to us? What was Jesus' commission to us? Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. He said, go into all the world. Preach to every creature. Whosoever believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Peter said, it is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all will come to repentance. Hallelujah. But we are turning eh, God's aim around and we are turning the church into a money-making machine. 
Wow. But I want you to look into your life very carefully. Haven't you seen that you are not prospering? You are not prospering. You are not prospering. Yeah. Because you see, prosperity, true prosperity comes from God. In Deuteronomy 8.18, the scripture says that it is God that gives deep power to get well. True prosperity is linked to doing the work of God. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you. Pastor, listen to me. As you preach the gospel, as you win the loss, as you are establishing Godship, as you are going about genuinely building the kingdom of God, God has promised you all these other things. The house, the car, the education, a good wife, children, everything shall be added unto you. Amen? In 2005, the Lord opened a way for me to enter into full-time ministry. I've been trying to do that since about 2001. But I had a problem. The problem I had was I had a huge hospital. Bishop Goku was telling you about it. I had a huge hospital. 17 bed capacity. VIP ward. Surgical theater. X-ray department. Scan machine. Ambulance. My, my, my laboratory was about 80 to 90% coverage. I had around about 30 staff. Nurses, huh? other people. I was the doctor of 40 corporate bodies in Accra. Farm milk, cow bell, latest foam, central university, medicine, all of them. I was their doctor. Yeah. And from about 2001, I'll go to Bishop Dad. Bishop, what is your cancer? What can we do? We tried different ways what I could do with the hospital so that I could be free to enter into full-time ministry. Because before that, I've been, I've been a lay pastor for many, many years. Many, many years. But now I felt that the Lord wanted me to enter into full-time ministry. One of the suggestions that came up was for me to employ a doctor and then let him run the hospital and I'll, I, I'll give him shares. But the hospital belonged to me and my wife. So like I could give him, let's say, 40% shares and then I'll go. So the doctor will work at the end of the year. Even as he's working, he'll pay himself and he'll pay me also. That's a good idea. And at the end of the year, if he makes 100 Ghana cities, I give him 40 Ghana cities, I take 60 Ghana cities. But you see, in medical practice, if you are the owner of the clinic, even if you are not there, something bad happens. They will come for you. Yeah. And many, you know, 
not many, but some private practitioners don't practice ethically. So I said no. So one time, I went to see the bishop, and he said, Pastor Antefo, this is your hospital. I think the best thing you should do to be able to go out is to dash it. Yes, dash it. Yeah. Because, you see, we have valued the hospital. We have used professional valuers to value it. The, the building was not my... I rented the building. Okay? And it cost those days millions of cities. Several doctors came around. They couldn't buy it. So I said, Bishop, I'll do it. So I went to a doctor. He had a small clinic. And I said, come. Come and see my hospital. Do like it. He was so excited. I said, let's negotiate. Give me something small. And I go. And that's what happened. I just took something small and I walked out. That doctor, he has built a huge hospital with branches out of that hospital. No. He has built real building, story building since 2005. But I walked out. We are not here because of money. If it is because of money, I will not be here. And I had a lot of money. And all the money at the end of, of the month was my money. I was the owner of the clinic. Every year, Central University, I was cleaning their first year, first year. Maybe some of you are sitting I screened you. I was doing like 700, 600, 800 students between May to October. All that money was just sight. It was just sight. We did not come here because we are looking for money. We came here because we want the Lord to use us to bring many into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So, you must have a mega church because it is the most appropriate vision for a pastor. For a pastor there. Charlie, your vision is to gather a lot of people into the kingdom. I'm explaining to you the reasons why you must have a mega church. And the first reason is that it is the most... What other vision do you want to have? Are you a businessman? Are you a sports director? Are you a culture minister? Who are you? Who are you? And you can see that... I mean... Now, we are doing business aside the ministry. Pastor, you are CEO of this company somewhere and the ministry. But the scripture says, meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly unto them and your profiting shall appear unto us. The reason why your profiting is not showing is because you are not committed fully to the ministry. Yeah. If you want to follow Jesus, it's all or none. 
Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Yeah. There is suffering in serving the Lord. There's suffering. There's suffering. Yeah. You cannot take away suffering and sacrifice from Christian ministry. Amen. Because Jesus suffered and he sacrificed his life. And therefore, we must also be ready to suffer. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 29. For it has been given to us on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. But also to suffer for his sake. Are you here or you go home? So, pastor, maybe that is why you don't have a large church, because you, your, your aim while you are in the ministry is wrong. Your motive is wrong. Do you know that you can be in something but the motive is wrong? In Second Chronicles chapter 25, the Bible speaks of Amaziah the king. The Bible said that he did all that was right in the sight of the Lord, but not of a perfect heart. But not of a perfect heart. Hallelujah. Number two, the second reason why you must have a mega church is because the prophetic destiny for every church that God builds is that its end shall be greater than its beginning. The prophetic destiny of every church that God is building is that its end will be greater than its beginning. Job chapter 8 and verse 7. Job chapter 8 and verse 7. Job chapter 8 and verse 7. Though thy beginning was small. Pastor, this scripture is in your favor. Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should greatly increase. This is God's prophetic destiny for your church. Can I have an amen? Can I have an amen? Though that beginning, so today, as we are sitting down here, maybe your church is small, but God says that your end should greatly increase. Receive that prophetic word in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So, so listen, be in the ministry of hope. Be in the ministry with hope. Knowing that what you have today, alright, the Bible says that better is the end of a matter than the beginning thereof. Your glory days are ahead. I said your glory days are ahead. Your glory days are ahead. You are going to see greater things. So continue. Don't give up. I said don't give up. I said, don't give up. Don't run away from the ministry. Because your prophetic end is greater. It's more glorious than your beginning. Yeah. Than your beginning. Hallelujah. 
Listen to me. Your church is going to work. Oh. I speak to you in the name of Jesus. That that church is going to work. I said that church is going to work. That church is going to work. Lift up your voice and give the Lord a shout. That church is going to work. It's going to work. Listen to me. God called you. And the Lord is going to help you. He didn't call you to fail. He called you for you to succeed. He called you for you to succeed. In any location that you are, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is there. Greater is He who is in you than any power that is in that place. It's going to work. It's going to work. Sit down. Listen. When Jesus started his church, his church also grew gradually. Yeah. When he started, he was alone. Then he saw Peter and Andrew and he called them. They followed him. Then he saw James and John. They followed him. Then he saw Matthew collecting uh, taxes. He called him. He called them one, 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 one. So you to your church, they are coming in. One, one. They are coming in one, one. They are coming in one, one. Come in one way. Come in one way. Yeah. But at a point, it began to explode. Multitudes were following him. The days of multitudes are ahead of you. You shall experience the days of multitudes. For though that beginning was small, though that beginning was small, God knows that today you are small. But God is saying, look ahead. Look ahead. And he said, that requires faith. You need a lot of faith to be in the ministry. You need a lot of faith. You need a lot of faith to be in the ministry. Hallelujah. I got what I'm saying. And you go through challenges. But, but everybody that followed the Lord went through challenges. Even Abraham, it got to a point that he wanted to quit the ministry. I showed you in the morning. Genesis chapter 50 was complained to God and look, since you told me that you, you built a mega church for me, it's only Eliezer who has joined the church. It's only Eliezer. The church is not growing. He was complaining to God. He wanted to quit. God said, don't worry. Don't worry, come. I'll bless you. Isaac, in the ministry, when he got to a certain time, the offerings were not working. Every time when he takes the offerings, one Ghana city, two Ghana city, he couldn't do. He wanted to run away to Egypt. Genesis chapter 26. God says, stay here. Continue to work. Continue to sow. I will bless you. Hey. Huh? When Jesus left the disciples, when he left them, no, John chapter 21, Peter and about seven of the disciples said that we are going back fishing. This Jesus went to follow him. All of a sudden, he's gone. We don't know. Look, let's go back fishing. As a, as, a, as a servant of God, ideas will happen unto you. Oh, yeah. I get what I'm saying. But the Bible says that looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was laid before him endured the cross and despised the sin. For consider him 
that endures such a contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied. Keep on looking unto Jesus. It is not a man that has called you. It is God that has called you. And listen, the scripture says, 1 Thessalonians 5.24, Faithful is he who has called you. Who will do it? The God who has called you, he is faithful. He will keep to his word. Right there in that village, right there in that town, in your one bedroom flat, he is there with you. He is there with you. He knows all the challenges that you are going through. Oh yeah. But, but just keep on looking up to him. Just keep on looking up to him. Faithful is he who has called you. God is faithful. God never changes. He never changes. In Malachi 3, he said, Behold, I am the Lord, and I change not. I don't change. God hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. You, you, you are trying to change. But God hasn't changed. Hallelujah. So that is the second reason why you must have a mega church because the prophetic destiny of this church that we are having right now is that its end will be greater than the beginning. Receive that blessing in the name of Jesus. Receive that blessing in the name of Jesus. Number three. The third reason why you must have a mega church, a large church, is because Jesus wants his church to be full. Jesus wants his church to be full. Let's read from Luke chapter 14 from verse 16. Luke 14 from verse 16. We are talking about reasons why we must have mega churches, large churches. Number one, it is the most appropriate vision every pastor, every Christian, every church must have. Number two, that is our prophetic destiny. Hey, Father, lift up your hands. Let everyone here, let everyone here, I see an anointing, let everyone here be transformed into a mega church pastor in the name of the Lord Jesus. Ah. God is going to use you. I said God is going to use you to bring multitudes into the kingdom. You watch and see. God is going to transform your ministry. I said God is going to transform your ministry. Yeah. He will bless your faithfulness. He will bless your faithfulness. Amen. Sit down. Now, number three, the third reason why, the third reason why you must have a mega church is because Jesus wants his church to be full. He doesn't want his church to be half full, one quarter full, one third full, three fourth full. He wants the church to be filled. And Jesus illustrated this in the parable that, in the story that he spoke about in Luke chapter 14. He said, then said he unto him, a certain man made a great supper and bade many. The kingdom work that we are doing is akin to a great supper. God has made a great supper and God is begging many to come. God is not like a, a rich man that has organized a party only for his rich friends. No. God wants everybody to come into the kingdom. Amen. And sent his servant at supper time to say to them 
that were bidden. Come, for all things are now ready. So, the Lord called for a supper, invited some people, and around the supper time, he told his servant, go and call the people. We are those servants. We the men of God. We are the servants of God. We are the servants that Jesus has sent us. He has organized a big supper. He wants everybody in this world to come to eat of his supper. Can I have an amen? amen. What did Jesus say in John, um, John 6, um, 53? He said, he said, Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood shall have life. Jesus wants everybody to eat his flesh and everybody to drink his blood so that they will have life. They will have life. And we, you and I, pastors, church workers, we are the servants that he has sent us to go out to Tamale, Zabelugu, Narulugu, Paga, Salaga, Bimbila, Bupe, Boko, Sisala, everywhere that we have come from, we are the people that he has sent us. Did I say something wrong? Sisala. Eh? Sorry? It's a, it's a, it's a language. Uh, but it's, 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 it's spoken by people. <laughs> to come to the supper table, we are the people. He sent a servant and said, go and bed many. Take note, pastor, go and bed many, not a few. Not a few. Many. Many. God is calling many. Let up your right hand and say, God is using me to call many into the kingdom. That is why I'm a mega church pastor. Listen, after this conference, every morning, when you sleep, and you wake up, first thing is, Lord, thank God that I'm a mega church pastor. Lord, thank God that I'm a mega church pastor. Keep on saying it. Keep on saying it. You become like God. Amen. For God collect those things that are not as if they are. Wow. I hear you go home. Continue. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. Watch it. Pastors, the people that God has sent us to go and bring into the kingdom, they have a lot of excuses. We have a lot of excuses. Especially in our current world. On Sundays, they want to go and keep fit. Keep fit. Where my church is located in Accra, when I'm going to church in the mornings, I see hundreds of, hundreds, not tens, hundreds of young people keeping fit. Satan has found agenda for the people. They are watching telenovelas. I get what I'm saying. They are watching football matches. They are watching films, movies. They are chasing from... You know, Satan is very wicked though. Pastors, let's understand, let's understand the battle that we find ourselves in. I tell you, Satan is distracting millions. He's distracting, distracting millions so that they cannot hear the, the, the gospel. 
That is why you and I must be focused. And we must fight back. Amen. We must fight back. All of them had excuses. All of them. One of them said, I've married a wife. So I cannot come. Another one said that I have bought, to cut the story short, I have bought a land and I need to go and inspect it. And a third one said that I need to go and plow my land. They say, pastors, we must see through the excuses that people give. That is why an anarchist man does not accept excuses. Look, don't accept excuses. Overcome excuses. Because when you look through the excuses that they gave, they are just excuses. You say you have married a wife, so you cannot come. Now let me ask you a question. You, you have married a wife. You have not been able to send her to a choba. Somebody has organized dinner. Dinner. And invited you. Shouldn't you even boss that, look, I want to send you to a dinner. Is it not the, the appropriate place to take your new wife? Eh? Even your wife will be, will be impressed that, uh, she'll, be, she'll be impressed that, hey, this is my husband. I, I, I didn't know that he, he just flows to such big people in society and all that. You are saying that you can't come. Another one said, I bought a land and I need to go and inspect it. I want to ask you a question. If you have bought land, is it in the night that they go and inspect? Because dinner is in the night. Is it in the night? Can you see the, the boundaries properly? Are you not even afraid that you step on a snake? But this is an excuse. So you see, what I'm trying to say is that many, so pastors, we must rise up and overcome excuses. You have to use an accountant compelling power in our church are done are done my church workers, my shepherds, my pastors we move into the areas of buses to move the people into the buses hey you are asleep, it's time to go to church you have no bath, go and bath we are waiting for you, go and bath we are waiting for you you say your shoe is torn. Bring it. We are sewing it for you. Go and bath. Dress up. We are going to church. <laughs> Jesus said, and from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered violence. And the violent, and the violent, take it by force. Pastors, we are past the age where you use softness, you know, gentility, Satan doesn't understand those things at all. Yeah? Many of our members, they don't come to church because Sunday morning they are drunk. They are, they are drunk. They went to nightclubs. They went to do... They are tired. So they don't remember to come to church. You must rise up and overcome the excuses. Hallelujah. How many of you are here? How many of you can understand what I'm talking about? Yeah? Amen? Huh? Go ahead. Verse 19. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. Pray thee, I pray thee, have the excuse. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. It's up to you. 
So that servant came. Watch this. So that servant came and showed his Lord distance. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. Watch me, pastors. Listen to me, pastors. In this verse, it's a, a revelation of how your church can, be, can become big. The target for your church must be the ordinary people of society. Forget about rich people. Forget about important people. The gospel is for the poor. The gospel is for the poor. You say, what? What are you saying? The gospel is for the poor. Jesus said in Luke 4, 18, He said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach the gospel. He was specific to the poor. Jesus said, how hardly shall a rich man enter the kingdom of heaven? When John the Baptist sent people to Jesus to find out, are you the Messiah? Are you the one who is to come? Jesus gave him some signs. Look at Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And it came to pass when Jesus had made the end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed them to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Are thou he that should come? Or should we look for another? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that must come? What was Jesus' response? He said, Jesus answered and said unto him, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. Go and tell him the things that you, you are seeing and hearing. He will make his own conclusion. What was it? What, what, what? He said, the blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the God and the poor have the gospel preached to them. One of the signs that Jesus gave to show that he was the Messiah was that the poor have the gospel preached to them. Listen, if you want your church to grow, this is the key. Send the gospel to the low people, the poor people, the ordinary people on the streets, the blind, the lame, the poor, the uneducated, the uneducated. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. These are the people that the gospel is meant for. They are the people who believe. Jesus said, He that is not he that is well does not need a physician. Look, many rich people don't believe in God. They are okay in life. Even today, one of the things that is happening in Ghana, we are having rich people and educated people who say, I don't believe in God, there's no God. And you should see pastors. You want the district chief executive to come to your church. Every day you spend three hours in his house. You want the police commander, the bank manager. You want this. They won't come. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. Go for the poor. Go for the poor. 
God is giving you a key for church growth. Go for the ordinary people. Yes. Go for the ordinary people. Who are the people who follow Jesus? Fishermen. Ordinary people. Ordinary people. But at the end, he transformed them. That is the power of the gospel. These same lame people, uneducated people, poor people, and all that, as they stay with you and you feed them with the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit will change them and they'll become blessed. <laughs> when David was running away from King Saul, eh, the Bible said that some people followed him. Who were those people? They were the Kobolos, people who were owning money, poor people. These were the people that later became David's mighty men. These same poor people, they are going to become the rich people in your church. You know, I thank God that I saw the days of life at Chapel International when there was nothing. When we were at Kolebu Canteen, only a few of us had cars. Bishop Dark had a Renault, the one that you use there. Bishop Eddie had a um, he had a, a Dustin Cherry one door. Bishop Saki had Lada. Yeah. Even my car was one of the best cars at the time. I was using Opel Ascona. I just come from abroad for my studies as a young doctor. I was driving Opel Ascona. Yeah. The church was full of students. Students. People who couldn't speak English. One of our main lay pastors today, one of our main lay pastors today, he's an international businessman. That guy, Bishop Saki was preaching at a, a crusade and said, you, come, give your life to Christ. He couldn't speak English, a gun boy. He couldn't speak English. Today, today, when he's speaking, he does business in Korea. When he goes, he minutes, he's invited to big, big, big Korean churches. Yeah. And, and I have seen how God has transformed the church. Till today, when you go to the Kodesh, at the car park, you wonder... Are they selling cars here? Who has these cars? Who has these cars? It's the same people that God has refined, glorified, changed, transformed. <laughs> Pastors, you want your church to go? Go for young people. JHS students. SSS students. Go for them. Primary school children, SSS, young graduates, ordinary boys and girls, go for them. Yeah. Yeah. Many of you, your church, there's no life. There's no life. You have these old people who are there, important people. When you are preaching, they are watching their time. Say, Look, close and let's go. They don't, they don't do anything in the church, they don't sing in the choir. Eh? When your church is full of young people, 
That is number one, energy. Number two, that is future. Young people have energy. And you can channel. That is why, you know, Bishop Dan has left all the big lighthouse cathedrals and gone back to Legon campus to go and become the pastor of little children. He is now the pastor of our children. Little, little children, the, the students. The students. Because young people are future. So pastor, go for the poor. Go for the, the uneducated, the ordinary people. Go for young people. Go to secondary schools and preach. Gather them. Bring them into your church. They may not have too much money, but that is today. Tomorrow, God will bless them. So the master said, go into the street. Go and bring the lame. Verse 20. Go and bring the poor. Go and bring the blind. Verse 20. And bring him thither. And bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. How many of you have understood this revelation? That this is how to fill your church. That's how to fill your church. Yeah. My church at Kologono is full of these people. Yeah. Look. When you get to a car park, based on the number of private cars in the car park, you will say that there is nobody in the church. But you enter the church. Because my people cannot afford cars. So I have arranged buses. We bring so many buses on a Sunday. If it has become a problem in the community, because the buses take over all the streets. And we bring the people from five deep corners. They don't have money to take transport and come to church. Pastor, you must use wisdom to build a kingdom. You must use kingdom. Let me tell you a secret. Don't tell anybody. How many of you won't tell anybody? Every time you see a large crowd, it is called rented crowd. In other words, it was an organized crowd. And Jesus said the children of this generation are wiser than the children of the kingdom. Politicians know this. A present, Mama is coming here for um, a rally. He doesn't want to come and see 2,000 2, people because his opponents will say, nobody is following you. So they will use buses. They will use buses. All over. Is that not the case? Is that not the case? Yeah? Yeah? So you to mobilize people to church. Mobilize them. Whatever you can do. If you have to provide buses, provide the buses. If you have to send people there to carry them on their, on their back and bring them to church. Say, you can't walk. Sit at my back. We are going to church. We are going to church. We are going to church. Give the Lord a shout. Are you receiving wisdom for church growth? How many of you have, got, you have gotten a revelation right there? Right there. Right there. Right there. Yeah. 
The living is coming. I told you, God will give you living. Wisdom, anointings, and then your stereotype must change. Are you not surprised when I tell that we send people to mobilize the people? But you watch and see. That is why people are not in your church. Sunday you are dressed, you are put on your suit, and you are come to stand in the church praying, you pray for one hour. The people don't come. They are asleep. They are watching TV. Who told that they want to come to church? They have no intention to come to church. Amen. You must use legitimate, every legitimate means. Every legitimate means to grow the church. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Every legitimate means to grow the church. Hallelujah. Huh? And the servant said, Lord, it is done. I am talking about the reasons why you must have a mega church. We are on reason number three. Because Jesus wants his church to be full. That's why we are talking about all these things plenty. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou commanded. And yet there is room. He said, I've gone. I've invited the blind, the lame, all the people. And yet there is room. And yet there is room. You see, some of us will say, well done. Sit down. Relax. Do some Coca-Cola. Let's have church. Your church can take 300 people where you are. You are only 100 and you are very happy. A person, we are very happy about what we have. But you see, you will not receive more with that attitude. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5? He said, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. They shall be filled. You must have a hunger for souls. You must have hunger, hunger, hunger for souls. Receive hunger for souls. Receive a burden for souls. Receive hunger for souls. Hunger for souls. How many of you understand that? Hunger. Burden. Yeah. When the servant came and said that there is still room, what did the Lord say? And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out. Go out. Watch, this is the third time that he's sucking the servant. This is the third time. This is the third time. The first time, he said, we have done everything. You know, the place is not full. He said, now go and call the poor, the maim, and all that. He said, there's still room. He said, and the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them and compel them to come in. That my house may be filled. That my house may be filled. That my house may be filled. I need 20 chairs here. I need 20 chairs. Give me 20 chairs. Look, there is an attitude that must change about you from today. Twenty chairs. Yes, arrange them. Arrange them nicely. Is that plenty? Eh? 
Then to remove the the one. I need I need eighteen church members to sit down. Eighteen church members. Fill the seats. All right. Where's the chief usher? Chief usher, come. How many seats are left? No, one person. One person should sit on it. Yeah. Chief Asha. No, there's another seat here. Ah, you're not doing your work well. How many seats are left? Watch me. First, all of you should come here. First, the church was empty. The church was empty. He bade many to come. And at the supper time, they gave a lot of excuses. Okay? Then he said, go. So, ten people should go. Ten. No, sit down. Go to church. Why are you going home? Don't go home. Go to church. You are now close the service. How many people? Ten people. Ten people. And there is still room. Go to the street. Bring the, bring the lame. Bring the blind. Okay? Bring the poor. So go and bring another uh, five people. Bring them. Wow. You are the blind. You have to cover your... How did you see your way to go and sit down? It's a damn blind man. So the servant came and said and showed the Lord these things that there is still room. Is that not so? And he said, and I said, oh, go back, brother. Aha. Uh-huh. And, and that there is still room. Verse 22. Verse 22. Verse 22. And yet there is still room. Verse 23. And the Lord said, go into the servant. Go out into the highways, hedges, and compel them to come in that they may be filled. Now watch. That they may be that my house may be filled. Watch. How many seats are left? Five. Now, this is the attitude that must change with you from today. Never accept even one chair that is empty in your church. You see, your clapping shows that you didn't understand it. You see, because for most of us here, Charlie, we are blessed. Is that also? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are blessed. It's a mega church. But listen, Jesus said, no, 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 no. What there's room? What there's room? We cannot sleep. From today, you don't have to sleep. Until that church is full. You should not sleep. Yeah. You should not sleep. You should not sleep. All brothers who are married, you cannot have erections. You can't. When you have erections and you think about the church, the erections will die. You just die. You have three people in the church and you are having erections. It must die. 
like Chale, the church, the church must work. The church must work. Whatever you must do, going around. One day I was speaking to one of our missionaries. And he said, Bishop, one time he was moving around visiting people, doing outreaches, and the assemblyman of the town met with him and said, Pastor, you are the real assemblyman of this town. They asked him why. He said, every time I meet you, you are all over the place. From today, you must become the assembly man of your town. Can you imagine that? He said, there's still room. He said, there's room. No, there should not be room. Go out. Now, but this time, watch. Another revelation is coming. This time, and the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and this time, compel them. The word compel is the Greek word anakazo. Anakazo. And anakazo means to necessitate. Eh? To necessitate. To make it necessary. It means to, 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 to force. To entreat. To use every legal means to help people to come into the kingdom. Now, I gave you a copy of this book. Free. And I told you, study it. Because there are 18 sessions. In one of the sessions here, uh, that is session 11, the Bishop Dark talks about church growth and anakazu. You see, anakazo is the compelling power that you must deploy to build the church. In the present world in which we live, all this Mickey Mouse evangelism, you know, inviting people to church, it doesn't work. Yeah. We need forceful evangelism. We need forceful uh, outreaches. We need to face the world boot for boot. Yes. The world has created apatashibas all over. We must create fellowships, cells, churches everywhere. The world is sending people adon to go and mobilize the people so they go and do key fitting. Adon. You must also send your people there. Send your people to the communities. To gather the people. To wake the people up. To tell the people, this Sunday has come. It is time for us to go to church. <laughs> yes. He said, these days, this time when you go, necessitate, compel them, and treat them. And treat them. Yeah. When we sit in the trotros, you see somebody who is selling herbal medicine takes over the bus for, for 30 minutes shamelessly. You are a pastor. You are a pastor. You are sitting down there re- reading graphic. Get up! Clap your hands! And say, praise the Lord. 
I heard my brother talking about his medicine. All those of you who have money and you want to buy after that, you can see him. But now, I bring you the power of God. I bring you the power of God. And preach Christ. Hallelujah. Do you understand it? We must not be ashamed. There are three things that we need to build the kingdom of God. Eh? Shamelessness. Compelling. And using legitimate force. Yeah. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus said that there was a woman who went to a judge and said, judge the case for me. And the judge, the Bible said he did not fear God. But the woman harassed him until his soul was was his soul was was troubled. And he said, look, if I don't grant this woman's wish, I will die. Do you understand it? And Jesus that said that Jesus said that this woman, because of her importunity, her shamelessness, we must be shameless when it comes to the gospel. Pastor, shamelessly organize your people and go into the streets and tell people about Jesus Christ. Remove your tie, put on a t-shirt and go to the streets. We cannot be diplomatic about the kingdom. We cannot be ashamed of the kingdom. Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, he said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes to the Jew first and to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from grace to grace. As it is written, the just shall live by his faith. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pastor, get to the job. Remove the tie. Get to the job. Mobilize the people. Go to the market. Go to the streets. Go there. Tell them about Jesus. Invite them to church. Write their name. Visit them in their homes. Visit them. Move from corner to corner. Gather the people. Gather them. Gather them. Don't accept empty chairs. Don't accept empty chairs. Don't accept empty chairs. Hallelujah. Now, did you know that Jesus did not accept empty chairs? He said, no. If there is room, then go and compel people. And he gave the, re- the reason. He said, that my house may be filled. Jesus wants filled auditorium. He wants your auditorium to be filled on Sunday seven times. With overflow. So right there, take note, pastor, that the church that you are having now is not the will of God. It's not the will of God. That auditorium can take 100 people. For the past five years, you have been filling it with 25 people. It's not the will of God. God wants more people. Fill in, fill in. Chief Asha, help them to sit down. Fill in. Fill in all there. Fill in. More, more. Fill in. Fill. Fill. Yeah. Fill. 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 And even come, come, come. All of you should come to church. Sit down. Sit down here. Sit down here. 
Sit down. Sit down here. May this be your story. 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 In the name of Jesus, shout yes! Yeah. Yeah. That's it. But it was empty. Do you remember it was empty? Do you remember it was empty? This is what God wants to do. He wants to break that classroom. And every pastor here, once you start a church, look for a land and start a building project. Every pastor here, if you have started a church, even if you started last week, go and look for a land and start building, putting up a building this A church building. Wow. Look at it. That my house may be filled. That my house may be filled. That is the desire. And when you are employed as a worker, you must do what your master wants. Your master says, I want my office to be filled. You cannot give him half-filled offices. You'll be sacked. You'll be sacked. Hallelujah. This is why you must have a mega church. Because Jesus wants his house to be filled. Clap your hands for the Lord. God bless you. Give the Lord a wonderful clap offering. Hallelujah. Are you here or you go home? How many of you are here still? Hey, shh. Lift up your two hands. I want you to begin to pray and say, Lord, I want my house to be filled. Speak to the Lord right now. Oh, yes, I want my house to be filled. 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 Fill my church, Lord. Fill to overflowing. Fill seven times. Fill twenty-one times. Fill, Lord. Ikala mahashete. Ataribo sekaya. Miandiribo hoshibala. In the floodgates in abundance and for your rain to fall on me open the floodgates in abundance
abandoned and cause your rage to follow me Baba receive the rain for church growth receive the anointing for church growth Baba 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 We in your presence Let it rain All your rain Let it fall on me we in your presence Let it rain All your rain Let it fall on me Open the floodgates Receive the rain now Receive the rain now Receive the rain now The rain of the Spirit of God the room for church growth in a band and cause your to follow me Baba 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 Lift up your hands. Ask the Lord to fill your church right now. Oh yes. From 20, you are moving to 50. From 50, you are moving to 100. From 100, you are moving to 150. From 150, you are moving to 200. From 200, you are moving to 300. From 300, you are moving to 400. From 400, you are moving to 500. From 500, you are moving to 700. From 700, you are moving to 1,000. From 1,000, you are moving to 2,000. From 2,000, you are moving to 3,000. From 3,000, you are moving to 5,000. From 5,000, you are moving to 7,000. You are moving to 10,000. You are moving to 20,000. It is happening to you. Receive it right now. Receive it right now. Receive it. The barriers are falling away. The barriers are falling away. The barriers are falling away. You are, you are overcoming the hurdles. You are jumping over the hurdles. That hurdle, that number that you have not been able to break through, you are running over it. You are running over it. You are running over it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The angels are gathering the people for you. The angels are gathering the people for you. The Holy Ghost is bringing the people. In the name of Jesus. Come and cry unto the Lord. It's happening. It's happening. 
It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. In the name of Jesus. Lift up the right hand. Say, Father. In the name of Jesus. I'm writing about the headers and the boundaries. The numbers that I have not achieved, I am achieving them now. 50 people, 100 people, 150 people, 200, 300, 500, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000, 7,000, 10,000, and beyond. I'm receiving them now. Every number, where I stagnated, where I've stagnated, I am, I've gone above it. I've gone above it. I've gone above it. By the power of the Holy Ghost. By the power of the Holy Ghost. Lift up your hands and give the Lord a shout. Grab your hands for the Lord and you may be seated. Number four. You must have a mega church because most pastors are deceived into thinking that the work is being done when it is not being done. Most pastors are deceived. Look, the work of winning souls into the kingdom is not being done. It's not being done. It's not being done. What did Jesus say in Matthew 9.36 when he saw the multitudes? He was moved with compassion on them. For they fainted and were scattered as sheep without a shepherd. Verse 37 Then said he to his disciples The harvest is truly plenteous. The harvest is truly plenteous. The reason why you must have a mega church. It's because the harvest of souls is not being won. Pastors, let's understand that. There are a lot of winnable souls, but very few in our churches. Yes. And we are feeling comfortable. We have 150 people. We are feeling very comfortable. You have enough money to pay yourself. You have bought yourself a car. And you know the car that you are driving. You know it. When you go on the road once, you have to send it to the mechanic for one week. But you are happy with it. Listen. God has more in store for us. Hallelujah. Jesus said to the disciples in John 4, 34, 35, he said, lift up your eyes and see. Lift up your eyes and see the harvest. It is ripened. There are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people in our villages, in our towns. You only have to listen to the election results and see how much we have failed as a church to win this world. Amen? And other religions have taken over. And we are just happy. How can you be happy? How can you be happy? Look, even if you have 
1,000 people in your church, you can't rejoice. What is 1,000 compared with the sea of masses around you? That is my frustration every Sunday. God has blessed our church at Kologono. There are thousands of people in the church every Sunday. Every Sunday. But in the community in which my church is, on one street, end to end, you can meet hundreds of people. So what I have, I cannot rejoice. Pastor, don't rejoice. Church workers, help your pastors. We need to reap the souls. Now, there are four evil things that Satan has said to every pastor that I want all of you to overcome. Four evil things. Number one, it is okay. It is okay. It is okay. Satan, he said, now that you can eat, you can drink, you have a room to stay, you can look after your wife, you have 55 people in the church, it is okay. But it is not okay. You must overcome that. Number two evil, everything is okay. Everything is not okay. Number three, this is how far you can go in God. It is not true. The guys will say, Umale. This is how far you can go in God. It is not true. Every pastor sitting down here, there are four phases of your ministry. Yes, every pastor here, there are four phases of your ministry. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, then the uttermost part of the world. Where have you gone to? Where have you gone to? So Paul told Timothy, make full proof of your ministry. Yes. Many of us pastors, we have not even scratched the surface of our ministries. And we are happy. Satan says, everything is okay. Everything is okay. This is, this is how far you can come. And number four, the work is done. These are all evil statements Satan has fed our spirit with. And that has made us to relax. But God says, Woe is them who are at ease inside. We must have the spirit of Jesus who said, No! Go out there and let the house be filled. Let the house be filled. Hallelujah. The work is not done. Now, those of us in the north, how many churches are there? How many pastors are there? How many people are in the churches? Compared to the populations here. How many churches do we have in the villages? Idol worshippers have taken over. Other religions have taken over. How can we relax? The harvest is plenteous. That is why you need to have a mega church. That is why you need to have a large church. So that a lot of people, a lot of people can come into the kingdom. Amen. The work is not done at all. How many of you agree? Is the work done in your village? In your town? No. 
Number five. The fifth reason why you must have a mega church is that the pattern of the early New Testament church was a pattern of mega churches. The pattern of the early eh? early New Testament churches were the patterns of mega churches. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Are you there? Hallelujah. Then they that gladly received his way were baptized and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls. Wow. In one day. That's a mega church. And, and take note that the Holy Spirit is mentioning figures. Which means that, you see, some people say that, uh, why, why do you mention the people who come to church? The Holy Ghost mentioned the numbers of people who came to church. Yes. Yes. Numbers are very important to God. Yeah. So in the Bible, God mentions numbers. God worked in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. There were twelve sons of Jacob. He mentions it. The seventy elders. He mentions it. Twelve disciples. We are told. Numbers are mentioned all the time. In fact, one whole book in the Bible is called Numbers. So numbers must be important to you. When you ask pastors, uh, how's your church's attendance? Oh, there are a lot of people. The program, how many people? Oh, the whole place was full. 10,000 people came. 10,000? Count. Count. Amen. There are different types of counting of members in the church. Okay? There are different types of counting. So, when you ask pastors, how many members do you have? Then the figure that they gave to you depends on what they are saying. The best count in your church is what is called type 1 counting. Which is the head count of people on Sunday morning. They are the real members of the church. That is what is showing you the size of your church. Another count is the number, I think type two, is the number of members that are in the, in the register. When people come to church, you write their name. So, if you put all of them together, you have about 1,500 people who have attended your church since you started three years ago. But in terms of the regular attendees, there are only 50. And that is what is showing you the strength of your church. So, stop saying that you have 250 people in the church. You don't have 250. The real people you have are the people that you count 1, 2, 3, 
One, two, three, four. In lighthouse, that's what we use. Type one. How many people did you actually count? In a month, week by week, that we strike the average. That is your attendance in your church. And that helps you to know the stand of work that you are doing. Hallelujah. 3,000. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Being grieved that they taught the people and preached to Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they lay hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now even tide. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. 5,000 was added to the church. I'm explaining to you that you must believe God to build a large church because in the Bible, the examples of the church were large churches. Large churches. Acts chapter 5 and verse 14. Acts chapter 5 and verse 14. And believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes both of men and women. <laughs> Hello? Multitudes. Multitudes. So listen. And I want you to go on. Acts chapter 6 verse 1. He says, and when the number of the disciples were multiplied, multiplied. Acts chapter 11 talks about how the grace of God was upon the Antioch church that multitudes of people filled the church. By the time you follow the ministry of, of Paul, you see that sometimes when he came to a town, the whole town gathered. The churches were huge churches. So brother, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and desire a big church. Be, be a, a New Testament church. New Testament churches were mega churches. Huge churches. Huge churches. Hallelujah. Huh? Yeah. Wow. Number six. Number six. You must have a mega church because your harvest field is the world. Your harvest field is the world. Mark chapter 16, 15 to 16. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world. Go ye into all the world. Are you seeing that? And preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. The fact that the entire world is to be saved and reached implies that the harvest of souls that will bring in must be very large. Must be very large. Hallelujah! Now, in your town, God didn't send you to a street, a community of the town. God sent you to the whole town. The whole town. God wants the whole town to be saved. 
And if that is the case, and you have 5,000 people in the town, God is expecting a large number of them to fill the church. Our harvest field is the whole world. Our harvest field is those of you in Tamale. Pastor Kweku, God has called you to the whole of Tamale. Eh? Not, not, not to Vintim Estates. The whole of Tamale. Yeah. That is what God is looking for. We have been sent to the whole world. To every city where you are. Every town. If that is the case, then it means God is expecting a large harvest. How many reasons do you have? Six. While talking on this point, let me add the seventh one. You must have a mega church because God is expecting at least one quarter of the people in your town to be saved into the churches. God is expecting at least one quarter of the people in your town. What is the population of Tamale? What is the population? 500,000? If there are 500,000 people in Tamale, God is expecting at least 125,000 people to fill our churches. He said, Bishop, what do you mean by that? Now, the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. Jesus said, when the sower went to sow, alright, one quarter of them fell by the roadside. The birds ate them. One quarter fell on, on stony ground. Alright? And they didn't amount to much. One quarter fell among tongues. And they were choked. Only one quarter fell among good ground. In other words, of the 100% seed that were sown, only one quarter did well and became fruitful. So God is expecting at least one quarter. At least one quarter of the people in our villages. So when you go today, go and find the population of your church, of your, of your, of your town, of your village, of your city, and divide it by four. God is expecting that when we add all our churches together in Tamale, at least 125,000 people will be saved. Let me ask you a question. I don't know the number of churches that exist in Tamale. I don't know. But let's take it that there are 1,000 churches in Tamale. Would there be 1,000 churches in Tamale? Or 500? Churches. Different churches, denominations, you know. In Accra, we have more. Alright? But let's say there are five, five, 500. Would there be 500? Individual churches. Methodist church, this church, this church. Eh? Man of God, there will not be 500. Now let's, let's give ourselves 500. What is the average size of a church? Most churches, most churches, most churches, in terms of the average size, it's about 70 people. Yeah. They can be more, they can be less. Let's even take it to be 100. 100. 100 by 500 is what? How much is that? Huh? 50,000. 
50,000. If there are 500 churches, single, single churches, and there are 100 people on the average in them, it gives us 50,000. And I tell you, in most of our churches, there are not 100 people. No. How many of you are grouped? How many of you are grouped? Oh, yeah. In most of our churches, there are not 100 people. Can you imagine? 50,000. And God is expecting at least 125,000. So we are falling far low beyond our quota. Our one-fourth quota. So everybody here have the desire to increase your quota. If you have 50 people, believe God to increase it. Amen. Now, Joy, remind me. Tomorrow evening, I want you to do something prophetic. When you are coming for the conference, I want you to take a small piece of paper and write on it the size of church that you are believing God for in the next five years. Yes. Yes. And bring it. I'm going to believe God if the opportunity comes to lay my hands and pray for all of you tomorrow. Yeah. I don't know the size of church that you want. But I tell you, if you can believe God, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised that in five years' time, even that size of church, you have received it more than you expected. Oh, yeah. Now, let me tell you something. Pastors, church growth is possible. Do you know why? Because God is more interested to win people than you are interested. He sent his son to come and die. Do you think that he wanted the death of his son to be in vain? No. So anybody here who wants your church to grow, God is on your side. God will back you more than 100%. Say a big amen to that. Hallelujah. Are you understanding why you must build a large church? A mega church? Huh? A mega church. How many reasons do you have? Seven. Number eight. You must have a mega church. Because having a large church means that more souls have been won into the kingdom. Having a large church means that more souls have been won into the kingdom. Number nine, you must have a mega church because in a mega church, more workers and laborers are released for the work of God. More laborers and workers are released for the work of God. Yeah. Because what did Jesus say in Matthew 9.35? He said, pray you to the Lord of the harvest that you send forth more laborers. When your church is 20 people, you have very few people to work with. When it's 40 people, you have few people. They become burdened. But when the church is large, you have a lot of people who can do different things. 
is why the bigger the church, the faster it grows. Because you have more people who are doing things. Just last Sunday, uh, um, three Sundays ago, I sent away 32 people to go and start 16 churches in Paris. They should go and start 16 churches. They've all gone to start. And just last Sunday, I released 80 people to go and start more cells. More cells. Yeah. Yeah. Two months ago, I called one of the pastors in, in, in one of my cells. I said, start another choir. Start another choir. We have about six choirs. I said, start another one. The early part of last year, we had four services. I said, let's start another one. So in November last year, we started another one. And then when we entered this year, I said, let's start another one. So, so about four, five weeks ago, we started another one. That service has already crossed 500 people. We are running six outdoor services on a Sunday morning from 6.30. You can't do that if you don't have workers. Every service I have has its own pastors. Has its own ashes. Has its own prayer ministry. Has its own choir. Has its own new believer school teachers. Every service has its own. They don't crisscross. I'm the only one that I preach in four of them every Sunday. I used to preach in all. Then last year I said, Look, we should share in the burden. I called two pastors. I said, Look, I'm giving you two services. Pastors, you need more laborers to help you. More laborers. More! Yes! But you can't have more laborers if the church is small. And some of you, some people have left your church because they are tired. Always you are calling on them. There were some two rich people in your church. They have run away from the church. Every day, they should buy drums. They should buy this. Congas. They should buy this. They should buy this. They are tired. They have run away. But when you have a lot of rich people in the church, they share the bed. Can I have an amen? amen? Lift up your two hands and ask God to give you more laborers right now. More laborers. More laborers. More laborers. More laborers. More laborers. Hallelujah. You must have a mega church. Because in a mega church, more people are involved in prayer against the power of the prince of the air. Hey, we need to intercede for the church. We need to bind Satan every day. 
Yeah. Every day. Paul said in Ephesians 6, 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, rulers of darkness, evil spirits, witches that have taken over the atmosphere of your church. And you need to bombard the atmosphere of prayer every time. But you see, you can only do that when you have a lot of people. You can only do that when you have a lot. Otherwise, you'll be the only person praying. Yeah. In my church, there are different levels of prayer. Different levels. Pastors are praying. The shepherds are praying. Every shepherd must pray at least one hour every day. Every lay pastor must pray at least two hours every day. Every full-time pastor must pray at least five hours every day. On Saturdays, on Saturdays, we prepare something called prayer bomb. A prayer bomb that we throw against Satan and his agents to destroy them so we can have victory in the Sunday service. Every, in that prayer bomb, every shepherd Saturday evening must pray one hour. Yeah. And we have like 450 of them. So that is 450 hours. Every pastor must pray at least three hours Saturday night. I have 20 of them. 3 by 20, that is 60. Plus 450, that is 510 hours of prayer. We put it together against Satan. We go to church very tired physically, but very anointed. Yeah. We bind evil spirits. We bind the devil. We ask that God will fill the church. We ask that the Holy Spirit will bring the people who came last week. And that he should bring in more people. New people. We ask that the Holy Spirit will bring sinners to be saved. The backslidden should be brought to be restored. We pray that the needs of the people as they come to church will be filled. We the pastors, we pray that the Lord will anoint us and give us revelation for the people. Yeah. We are praying throughout the evening, evening to the night. Then, every day of the month, we have what we call prayer rotation. A group in the church is praying. A group in the church. Give me my phone. A group in the church. We have divided the church into many, 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 many small groups. Amen? Why, Pastor Sami? Take the mic and explain to them how the prayer rotation is organized. You see, because this conference, we are not talking about theory. I want to teach you practical things that you must do in the church. He's in charge of that. Yes. Why? So, um, like Bishop said, 
we have a group in the church that prays every day. So we have broken the church into small, small groups. We have the projection ministry. We have the choir. choir we have different, different choir. We have the worship choir. We have the, um, the main choir. So we have the technical team. We have prayer warriors. We have pastoral teams. So, and then we have areas. areas. The areas have shepherds. And the areas are very large. So some of the areas have been broken down into about three, four groups. So all these groups are put together and are put there. So throughout the week, Monday, there is a group. Tuesday, another group. Wednesday, another group. Thursday, another group. Friday, another group is praying throughout the week. So we have that for about a month. So the, the groups, the church actually have been divided into about 30 groups. So there is a group praying every day throughout the month. Then when we enter the new month, then we start again. That is how it works. Now let me show the man of God here. You see on my phone, man of God. What is this? Prayer rotation. Pastor Ancha, can you see? Yeah. Uh, Madam, you see that prayer rotation. When you open it, uh, now you see this. Okay. When you enlarge it, what do you see here? You see Monday, Tuesday. Sorry, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It starts again. So this is this month of April. From beginning to end. And then you see the different groups that he's talking about. Broken down. So every day, every day of this month, when I sleep, a group is praying. The month is covered up with prayer. I spoke to you about prayer this morning. Do you remember the scripture that I gave to you? Uh, what was the scripture? I, I can't hear you. What? I, you have forgotten already. Jeremiah 10.21 He said, For the pastors have become brutish because they have not sought for the Lord. Therefore would they not prosper and their sheep shall be scattered. Listen, cover your ministry with prayer. But the point I'm trying to make is that it is not easy if the, small, the church is small. That is why you must believe God to build a large church so that you, you can have different groups praying. We do the same thing for outreaches. Every cell group, and we have over 300 of them, must do one outreach every week. So every week, Monday to Saturday, there are a minimum of 300 outreaches. In different areas. And every cell group is charged to win and to bring to church on a Sunday at least one person. It is a charge. It's an obligation. You must do it. You must do it. So when you come to our church on a Sunday morning and we make the altar call, you see 200 people, 300 people, 250 people, almost every Sunday. We have created a special center for new converts. It is an election center. It's called New Believers Center. You see placards. That show which area did you come from? Did you come from Osu? Did you come from Labadi? Did you, where did you come from? City. And there are people there who are registering. It's an, it's an, we declare election results. This area, how many people did you bring? Every afternoon we meet to declare the election results. We call you, Pastor, those of you from Dansuman, your election results. You had 50 cells. You are supposed to have brought 50 people. What are your election results? 
Have you stolen some of the votes or overvoting or undervoting? What is it? Hey! See, that's what I'm telling you. The church must be built. It doesn't just come. You have to build it. We are looking for more souls. We have very good established new believer school. Six weeks. When we graduate them, 150, 120 after every six weeks. And then we turn them into workers. We turn them into workers. By the time we finish training them into shepherds, if we graduated 150, we have about 80, 100, 120, 70 of them that we have, we have added to the workforce. And these are the people who are going to pray. These are the people who are going to do outreaches. These are the people who are going to work. And, and, and the more you do that, the easier it is for you, the pastor. Because you can't do everything. So a mega church is important because it releases more laborers for the work. It, it makes prayer possible. It makes prayer possible. It makes outreaches possible. Can you imagine having 300 outreaches within one week? Cover everywhere. Wow. It shall be your story. It shall be your story. Amen. Today marks the beginning of this story in your life. In the name of Jesus. Can I have your large amen? amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Wow. Hmm? How many do you have? How many do you have? Ten? Number eleven. You must have a mega church because a mega church generates large crowds. And large crowds generate great expectations. You must have a mega church. Now, everything that I'm talking about is here. So just buy a copy. Lady Pastor Joy blessed us this afternoon with it at a very cheap price. I'm sure she'll do the same after this service. So get your copy. Everything I'm saying is there. Hallelujah. You must have a mega church because a mega church generates large crowds and large crowds create great expectations Luke chapter 3 and verse 15 Luke chapter 3 and verse 15 and as the people were in expectation and all men mused in their hearts of John whether he were the Christ or not hallelujah when there is a large gathering of God's people there is an air of expectation an air of excitement and real faith. Why? This happens because the faith of everyone is heightened by what they see. Do you know that it is very easy for large churches to continue to grow and very difficult for small churches to grow? Because people large, like large things. Oh yeah. People love large things. It's like, look, the way we are every day five years it's not very interesting. Yeah. The expectation is low. The morale is low. I get what I'm saying. That is why football clubs mobilize their supporters, their home supporters, to be there to cheer them up. Large crowds generate great expectations. Next reason. Large crowds generate miracles. Miracles. Why? Because the faith of everybody is heightened. When you have a large crowd and you pray for the sick, somebody will be healed. No, no. If you have a crowd of 1,500 people and you say, look, I am praying for all of you. Who is healed? Some two people will be healed. When there are 15 people, it is likely that they are all very, 
They are, they are very well. Please sit down. They are very well. That is why some of you have not seen your miracle power. Because you are very anointed. Only that your 20 people, they are well. They are well. They are well. Yeah. Look, pastor, you are very anointed. Don't let the devil deceive you. You are very anointed. If you want to test it, move from your church and preach in another church. You see the power. But in your church, the people, they are well. They don't have stomach cancer, nothing. Everything is okay. That's why you need a lot of people. That's why you need a lot of people. Amen? I hold miracle services in my church. And each time people get healed. Because you have a large crowd gathering. But all me, somebody has some headache somewhere. Headache is there. That started in the morning that by the power of the Holy Ghost is going this evening. But when we have 12 people, we say, receive it. They say, receive what well, we are well. We are eating well. There's no pain. The waist pain, I send it to Colombia. Everything is okay now. It's finished. Hallelujah. Clap your hands for the Lord. Number what? 13. You must have a large church because more evangelism is possible through a mega church. More evangelism is possible. More evangelism is possible. Look, haven't you seen that you can't evangelize because you don't have anybody to do it with you? You don't have anybody. It's always you and your wife. Yeah. It's always you and your wife. You can't do outreaches. I was telling you the number of outreaches that we do every week. Because there are small, small groups that are reaching out every week. But there are a lot of people. Yeah. And apart from that, evangelism is also backed by money. When you don't have, when you have a small church, your income is small. And therefore, I mean, to go and build a crusade platform, buy equipment, and it's not easy. So even though you want to evangelize, do crusades, you can't do it. But when the church is large, it also has a large income. And you can do a lot of evangelism. Since about 2000 and, um, 2003 or four. Bishop Dad started having evangelism. Huh? Yeah. He started. I mean, if you see the Healing Jesus campaign coming, you would think that a whole nation is coming. I'm sure when they came to Tamale here, you saw they have tracks, buses, so many things. But you see, he started the crusades in 2003 or so. This is after about 15 years of starting the church. And building many church, many branches. Many, many branches all over the world. And that is why you can have crusades. Because the churches support evangelism. How many of you understand that? Yeah. So a large church makes evangelism possible. That is why you should believe God. Some of you, you really want to reach out to the whole of the north. But you realize that you can't do it. The, the burden is in you, but you can't do it. So believe God to build a large church. So that your large church will have a large income. And then with that income, 
your evangelism will be possible. Hallelujah. What do you think? Huh? Is it a good idea? Hmm? Next one. You must have a mega church because a mega church has a larger and greater income that can be used for the work of God. A mega church has a larger and greater income that can be used for the work of God. An example is what I've said, evangelism. When you have more money, you can do a lot of things for the Lord. You can build church buildings. Yes. Some of you, you really need a church building. This classroom where you are, always the headmaster is coming to threaten you. Eh? Ejection notice. Last year, every two weeks he's coming. Every two weeks he's coming. Go away. We want our classroom. I mean, the wife will just come and insult you every time there's an issue. And how you wish that you had your own church building. But because the church is small, I get what I'm saying. By the time you get the offerings and you pay yourself and you pay the church rent, the money is finished. Pastors, God is teaching you why you need a large church. How many of you now understand why a large church is important? Yeah. Yes. It's so important. It's so important. It's so important. You want to change your equipment. The current equipment that you have, you bought them 10 years ago. Now it's so expensive. It's so expensive. Hallelujah. But I see God taking you to another level. I see God taking you to another level. Your income is increasing. I say your income is increasing. You can do all things through Christ. When strengthened, you can have an amen. Hallelujah. Wow. Next one. You must have a mega church because special ministries which take care of special needs will, will develop within a mega church. You must have a mega church because special ministries which take care of special needs will develop within a mega church. Hallelujah. Yeah. When a church is large, you can have an orphanage. You can have a hospital outreach. You can have an outreach to the poor. You understand it? You can have schools. You can do so many other things that can help even society. Yeah. In our ministry, we have a ministry that takes care of the prisons. Bishop Dark has renovated so many cantabats in police stations in Accra. The Nima police station is, is a police station for VIPs. Yes, VIP prisoners. 
he went there, he sorted out the place, tiles, toilets, everything. Every month, he gathers blind people, no, poor people, beggars in Accra. Every month, once every month. Holds a church service for them and then gives all of them a monthly stipend. Every month. He has undertaken, he's undertaken to provide breaks for all blind people in blind institutions in Ghana. He's done so many already. So many already. He set up an orphanage. He set up an orphanage. Huge. To look after orphans. These are all things, Pastor, that can only be possible if you have a large income. How many of you agree? And, 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 I, and, and all of us here want to do things like that. How many of you like to do things like that? Yes. So, that's why I said, from this conference, small church mentality is out. Look, catch it and throw it through the window right now. Let it go out of the window. And look, I thought you rise up and throw it very, very far. Small church mentality. Pieco? Echo? 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 Yes, you do. Wow. That is why I told you. From today, everyone, when you wake up, they say, God, thank you that you have made me a mega church pastor. You let people laugh at you. But wisdom is justified by her children. You see it. You will become what you say. You will become what you say. You will become what you say. Hallelujah. Huh? Wow. You must have a mega church because it shows that you have made full proof of your ministry. You, have, you must have a mega church because it shows that you have made full proof of your ministry. In other words, it shows that you are fulfilling every aspect of your ministry. Many ministers do not do a thorough job of being pastors. Many ministers only touch the surface of their calling. Many ministers are a phantom of what they could be. Most churches have the potential of growing larger. Often, the growth does not come because the pastor does not do a thorough job of pastoring the church. Every field of endeavor has greater or lesser dimensions. You must aim for the greatest possible dimension in pastoral work. Amen? You must aim for the highest. When you go and work at the bank, there are messengers, there are people who are doing clerical work, there are managers, 
and their bosses. Is that not so? Why don't you ascribe to become a manager? Why do you want to just remain somebody that is being sent around? So, pastor, believe God and move into your full potential. Can I have an amen? amen. Believe God and move into your full potential. That is what Paul told Timothy. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5. I want to read to you the message Bible. But you, keep your eyes on what you are doing. Accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive. Do a thorough job as God's servant. Do a thorough job as God's servant. May the Lord use you to do everything that he has called you to, he has called you to do. May the Lord use you to do everything that he has, caused you, he has called you to do. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Number 17. You must have a mega church because in a mega church there are more beloveds. That is potential marriage partners. Yes. Hallelujah. Huh? Number 18. You must have a mega church because in a mega church there are more marriages and more weddings. Now, somebody who asks that, are these things important? Hey, look. Look into your church. Having some ladies left your church because they didn't get a husband. Huh? Having some brothers left the church because when they look at all the ladies there, they can't marry any of them. In a large church, there are, there are all possible marriage partners. Because your church members, like you, have their taste. Brothers, is that not the case? In a large church, if you want a slim, fair color sister, you get If you want dark skin sister, very dark that only the white in the eyes that you can see, you get. If you want a macho brother with muscles to marry, you get. If you want a lanky brother, you get. Anybody at all that you desire to get married in a big church, you get. You want a, a very educated uh, sister, you get. You want a simple sister, you get. Yeah. You want a white person to marry, you get. A black person to marry, you get. So your people will be sitting in the church and looking around and then they are choosing and marrying every Saturday. They are not going anywhere. They'll be in the church. They marry in the church. They have children in the church. Their children also choose in the church. The, your church just keeps on expanding. Otherwise, you see them leaving. Look, some of the most painful times that I've had have been my daughter that I've groomed, taught them very spiritual. Then they'll not be married. One day will be there. They say, hey, Bishop, I've found somebody. I said, from where? 
they mention some place. Hey, I said, come and show him to me. You see that brother will come like this. And come and carry my daughter away. Oh! How many of you have experienced that? Yeah. But as the church grows, eh? Oh, you even look at your ship and say, you, you and you, come, come and see me in the office. Well, haven't you seen yourself? Are you blind? Come on, just get happy and then be happy. No, because the sheep, the sheep, they are blind though. They can't see. So one of the things that as a pastor you should do is to help them to see. Amen? If the brother wants a sister with flat bumps, flat, you get. If you want a sister with Mount Kilimanjaro type of bumps, he will get. Some brothers want Oboshi size sister. Oboshi type of sister who when they fall on it's like Vono mattress. They are lying on mattress. You get in the church. You get in the church. Every type. Every type. That is the benefit of a mega church. Otherwise you see your church members living. They live in. They live. They are always living. They have found this one here. They have found this one here. Sometimes some of your spiritual sisters, they go and follow a very unspiritual brother. After two years, you hear that the marriage is not working. Confusion. They are being slapped left, right, center. And you'll be, you'll be, you'll be so, you know, worried and unhappy. But when the church is large, Receive a mega church. In the name of Jesus. Receive a mega church. Say, Lord, give me a mega church. In the name of Jesus. Clap your hands for the Lord. Hallelujah. How many do you have? Number 19. You must have a mega church because there are more contacts and more connections through the people in the mega church. Yes. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. As ye have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. When the church is large, the church becomes like a nation. It becomes like a nation. Your church members can be found everywhere. Everywhere. Look, sometimes I get so embarrassed. I go to a place, you know, so this place, nobody knows me. Then someone says, oh, Bishop. Bishop. And I'm like, wow, here too. Here too. Yeah. Sometimes I'm flying. One time I was flying and they were putting my bags to the 
the scanner machine. And you know the way it is. You have to remove your belt. You have to so it's not a, a pleasant thing. So I wanted to quickly go in there. Oh Bishop. One of the pe- people standing there, oh Bishop, here too. You find your people or people who know you or people who know your ministry or everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. You want a job for your people? So see this person. Get a job. Just see, yes, see this person. See this person. Yeah. Sometimes I pick my phone and call. I say, Charlie, is it possible for this person to get a job? He has finished school. Is it possible? Just two or three weeks ago, I made a call. A young man came to see me. He has finished school, you know, and all that. I called someone and I said, look, can you sort him out? There are more connections. There are more contacts. Amen? There are more contacts. If you be pastor, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. Sometimes places that you don't deserve, they push you there when, when they see you. They say, oh, pastor, why, why are you standing here? Please, come, 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 come. come. Amen? Wow. Is it not a blessing? Is it not a blessing? How many of you are convinced that you need to build a large church? You need a, need a large church. You need it. You need it. I mean, from all these reasons that I've shown you from the scriptures, you are going out of here and you are going to build a large church. Number 20, you must have a mega church because in a mega church, there's always a large pool of employers who can help the church members. Yes. 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 Number 21. You must have a mega church because all the different needs of the congregations can be met through the mega church. All the different needs. All the different needs of the congregation can be met through the mega church. Wow. How many do you have? Number 22. You must have a mega church. Because a mega church is a force to reckon with. And it becomes a nation within a nation. A mega church is a force to reckon with. And it becomes a nation within a nation. Yeah. Look. When the church is very large, even the politicians take note of them. And they are very careful how to deal with them. We were all in this country when the PNDC brought a law that all churches must register. And the Catholic churches won't do it. That's all. They saved all of us. We should forever be grateful to our Catholic brothers. Left to us alone. Mushroom churches. It will be the end of your ministry. But you see, the Catholic church is a force to reckon. Yeah? And even their charismatic churches, that now, they are forces to reckon with. Hey, we did an election in this country. I think the difference was 20,000 or something. Or, 
One of the elections, the difference was 20,000. We have charismatic churches in this country that can fill stadiums. The transport stadium is 50,000. So if the election needs just 20,000 difference, think twice before you, are, you, you deal with such people. That's why around this time, you see the politicians, they are trying to enter the churches. They are trying to come. One of our, one of our bishops was telling me how in his church they were having a social program. So they were giving people opportunity to speak, the elders of the church. Then there was one guy there who said, oh, he also wanted to say something. They said, okay. When they gave him the mic, he said, my name is Honorable Susan, I'm, I'm the assemblyman. The bishop said, look, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Sit down, sit down. Sit down. Yeah. May your church become a force. May your church become a force. May your church become a force in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Archbishop Idahosa, when he was alive, the then military government in Nigeria, one of them, arrested one of his sons in ministry. Was a, also high up there. They arrested him. When he heard it, when Archbishop heard it, he took his phone and called the president, the military leader, and said, that person is my son. It's my son. They went to him and said, look, go home, go home. If this man is your father, go home. May that become your story in the name of Jesus. But I see some of us here, they can arrest you by the roadside. A whole head pastor of your church. You will see some bojua bojua officer be harassing you. Eh? One time somebody encroached on our church land. He encroached. We have bought it. And he encroached on it came to break down our wall. So we decided to use, you know, to clear the land and all that. And then he went to bribe an officer. Came to arrest my, one of my assistant pastors. Send him to the police station. When I heard it, when I heard it, I drove straight to the topmost officer in the country. And I said, what is this? What is this? See, this is what, when your officers do, it doesn't make people to respect. But you see, you can't drive. When I got there, they said, do you have, do you have an appointment? I said, tell him that so, so and so I'm here. By your name, you don't need appointment. May every appointment be cancelled in the name of Jesus. Yeah. I was sitting in his office when he took the phone and called and said, Who is that? Who is misbehaving there? You must become a force.
when I went to the police station to go and bail my pastor, when I got there, the officer there, a low-ranking officer, when he heard that I've come, he told another officer, the pastor himself has come. Put him at Kantabak. Yeah. Put him at Kantabak. The guy looked at me like that. He disobeyed the instruction. Then the officer said, I told you to put him at Canterbury. Myself came. I said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who are you? Who are you? It was not easy for him. Then I asked, Who is the person in charge of this place? So I went to him. Very educated, highly. I said, I said, what is going on here? If somebody is arrested, he has the right to be bailed. If I come to bail him, is that a problem? So I beg you, I beg you, sit down. He called the officer who was. When the guy came, he was shocked. But when he came, I was sitting in chair. I've crossed my leg like this. He was trembling like that. He was trembling. So I said, why do you behave like that? So oh, something, 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 something. Hey, you must become a force. When they hear your name, they must know that an anointed man of God may the fear of you and your ministry fall on the people in the name of Jesus. Amen? Wow. How many reasons do you have? And the last one, stand to your feet as I give it to you. This is the last one. Are you blessed tonight? You must have a mega church because the glory of the end time church will be greater than the glory of the early church. In Haggai 1.9, the scripture says, The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, said the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Listen to me. Don't look at what you have today. That is one level of glory. But God is going to take you to a higher glory. God is going to take you to a higher glory. God is going to give you so many people. You built your own church cathedral. You built your own church offices. You are going to have branches. You are going to have pastors. You are going to have churches all over. God is going to give you a mega church. Lift up your hands and ask God to give you a mega church right now. Pray. Ask the Lord to give you a mega church. A man can receive nothing except it is given to him from above. God is the one that gives the increase. Lift up your voice and pray.
Balababa, Ima Kapoyan de Balaba, Ripa Kapayanda, Libro Kapapa Zibaralaba, Rabo Shabayan Delele, Rikamando. Lift up your voice and pray. Lord, give me a mega church. Lord, give me a mega church. Lord, give me a mega church. Lord, I want to be a mega church pastor. A mega church pastor. A mega church pastor. Give me a mega church. Give me a mega church. Lift up your voice and pray. Oh Lord, give us mega churches. Libroka Pama Zibayanda. Ibroka Papa Zovara Libaya. Rabonda Balibre Kapaya. Rosima Kovaka Bayande. Ibro Sebekambo Labroka Baya. Ibroba Zonda Bagabalindo. Imande Balova Kabayata. Razobre Kebalova Yaba Labaro. Imanda Lebra Kova Laba Yakaba. Lord, give me a mega church. Lift up your voice and speak to the Lord. Ask the Lord to give you a mega church. Ask the Lord to give you a mega church. Ask the Lord to give you a mega mega church. He said we should ask and we shall be given. Ask and you shall be given. Lord, we ask for mega churches. Mega churches in Tamale. Mega churches in Tamale. Mega churches in the northern region. Mega churches in Wa. Mega churches in Bogatanga. Mega churches in Bogatanga. But mega churches law. Mega churches law. Mega churches law. Multiply. Multiply. Increase. Increase law. Let the churches grow. 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 We ask Lord for mega churches. Mega churches. Mega churches. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Lord Jesus, you said, Herein is your Father glorified. Yes, Lord. That we bear much fruit. Yes. We ask for much fruit. Yes. We ask for increase in our churches. Yes, Lord. We ask for supernatural growth. Yes. We ask for growth that comes from you. Yes. Lord. Let every church here. Every ministry here begin to multiply in Jesus. by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. By the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let every church begin to multiply Amen. in the name of Jesus. 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 Amen. Let the little one. Yes, Lord. Become thousands. Yes, Lord. Let the little one yes. become thousands. Amen. And now we claim the blessings of Rebecca. Yes. To whom the brother said, mm. You are our sister, Rebecca. Oh, yes. And you shall become the mother of thousands of thousands. Yes, Lord. Receive that blessing now. I receive it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Multiply churches. Amen. Your one church is becoming five churches. In Jesus' name. Your five churches are becoming twenty churches. In Jesus' name. Your twenty churches are becoming fifty churches. In Jesus' name. Receive branch multiplications. I receive it. Branch multiplication. I receive it. Receive multiplication of laborers. I receive it. More prayer force. I receive it. More outreaches. I receive it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. More laborers. I receive it. Receive more laborers. I receive it. More assistance. I receive it. More workers. I receive it. And now receive more money. I receive it. Receive it. More money. I receive More it. income. Yes. Father, 
Give us more money. Yes. To do more for you. Yes. More money. Yes. Give us more money. Yes, Lord. Give us more money. Yes, Lord. To build churches. Yes, Lord. To have crusades. Yes, Lord. To buy equipment. Yes, Lord. To send pastors. Yes, Lord. To start start branches. Yes, Lord. More money, Lord. More money. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And now give us more church buildings. More. And give us more lands. Yes, Lord. Give us more influence. Yes. More power. Yes. We thank you. Yes. And we give you the praise. Mm. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We believe you have been blessed by this message. We invite you to worship with us at the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Collegon, opposite the Collegon Main Gate. Our service times are early rain service, 6.30 to 8.15 a.m. Love and Hope service, local languages services, from 7.30 to 9.30 a.m. Love and Faith Service from 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. Our Vibrant Youth Church is also at 9.30 a.m. to 12 noon. Be part of our midweek impartation service this and every Tuesday from 6.15 to 8.30 p.m. prompt. For further prayer and counseling and further inquiries, please call 0278-888-884. Or 0543-289-289. The numbers again, 0278-888-884. Or 0543-289-289. God bless you. To glorify your